0: Welcome to this episode of the Elite Advisor Blueprint Podcast with your host, Brad Johnson. Brad's the VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, the largest independent insurance brokerage company in the U.S. He's also a regular contributor to Investment News, the Wall Street Journal, and other industry publications. Welcome to the Elite Advisor Blueprint, the podcast for world-class financial advisors. I'm Brad Johnson, VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel, and it's my goal to distill the best ideas and advice from top dot leaders and apply it to the world of independent financial advising. Today, I'm throwing in a bonus episode as this is a guest appearance I had on the Advisor Gap podcast. It's hosted by James Mousley and Sean Banks from, as they like to say, cross the pond over in the UK. And it's crazy. I continue to be blown away by the power and reach of podcasting as I actually connected with the two of them after they'd given a few of my episodes a listen over there. And they've created their podcast to address the lack of training out there to help paraplanners bridge the gap into a true financial planning role. And I found this as a common problem in the US as well. As from my experience, most successful advisors out there were simply educated by the School of Hard Knocks and oftentimes have simply outlasted and out-marketed their competition. So with that in mind, I thought it would be helpful to share this episode for both those pair planners out there looking to make the transition to client-facing financial advisors, as well as those CEOs and founders looking for a training track to develop and add new advisors to your teams. I hope you find this episode helpful. And for those firms out there facing this problem, be sure to search for The Advisor Gap Podcast. That's spelled the UK version of Advisor, A-D-V-I-S-E-R. And give them a subscribe as James and Sean will be addressing this topic on each and every show. One other opportunity before we get to the episode. This is the last call to apply to attend the Catalyst training event we are hosting at AE headquarters May 19th through 21st, as we only have a few seats remaining. Here's three quick problems most advisors who attend are looking to solve. Number one, they're struggling to adapt their traditional direct mail dinner seminar approach utilize new platforms out there like Facebook and LinkedIn to fill their marketing events consistently. Number two, they might have an issue once they fill the room. They're having issues converting prospects into appointments that actually show up to their office. For a quick benchmark, if you're booking 50% or less, our top offices routinely convert 80% plus of attendees at their events. We're going to be talking about how. Number three, lastly, if you struggle with home office coaching from those who aren't actually out there in the trenches like you, you won't find theory at this event. Rather, two of AE's 100 million plus offices sharing real world results and how they've made their transition from solo financial advisor to CEO. If you're currently being held back by any or all of these roadblocks, claim your seat at The Catalyst by applying online at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash The Catalyst. That's T-H-E-C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T. And for those that qualify, we'll fully cover your cost to attend, including flight, hotel, and tuition to the event. So go fill out your application, bradleyjohnson.com forward slash the catalyst to save your spot. And let's connect in person. As always, all the books mentioned, people discussed, as well as a full transcript of the show can be found in the show notes at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash five six. So that's it. As always, thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with James and Sean, hosts of the Advisor Gap Podcast. Brad Johnson, welcome to the Advisor Gap Podcast.
1: Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for asking to have me on. Uh, It's great that you've come on here, Brad. Um, What we wanted to do here is get the perspective of the Advisor Gap, as we've dubbed it, from across the pond. Before we get into that, perhaps you could give a brief introduction to yourself for some of the listeners who perhaps don't know much about you. For sure, yeah. So I'm Brad Johnson. Uh,
0: My technical title is VP of Advisor Development at Advisors Excel. Um, It's interesting because I've done a few podcasts with some guys from across your side of the pond, and it it has been very cool to see how the similarities and the differences in financial planning in the UK versus the US. Um, So over here. Um, really, Advisors Excel, what we do, we're, we're a wealth management firm, mm-hmm. three primary areas. We work with independent advisors uh, that are doing annuity business, life insurance business, and assets under management. So really, three different divisions of the company with the goal to serve independent advisors to help them build the most holistic plan possible. So that's that's the short version. If you want anything more than that, feel free to to follow up. No, that's great.
1: So just for, for your benefit, Brad, the... Advisor gap, as as we've dubbed it, is something that we feel is kind of growing here in the UK. So it's that gap in kind of skills and experience from people who are transitioning from back office roles in financial planning um, or support positions uh, into a role as a lead financial advisor or planner. Um, It would be good if you could perhaps give us any perspective you have in the US, on this advisor gap, um, if it exists at all, um, it'd be good to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I
0: think it does exist in the US. I think I think one of the things that's interesting when you look at financial services is the grass is kind of always greener on the other side sometimes. And I think if I look at offices that we work with, where a paraplanner has transitioned successfully into a lead financial advisor role. Sometimes you don't realize the strength that you actually get from that background. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to say a paraplanners live like a thousand financial advisor lives, because if you're sitting there just cranking out plans all day, every day, um, different than a financial advisor, a lot of financial advisors in our space, you know, you start out, you might work for a captive agency mm-hmm. to where immediately right out of the gates, you have to start booking appointments or you're broke. And where a paraplanner, you don't have that pressure. Um, So you've got the ability to realize how to build a successful financial plan, how to build a holistic financial plan, how to serve the client at the highest level, where a lot of times an advisor that just starts as a true financial advisor, they're worried about putting bread on the table because they have to go meet with people. And so I think that's one thing that if there's listeners out there trying to make that transition is realize what strength you have coming from that background. And yep. it's a really big one because you've built probably hundreds of plans before some of financial advisors have even built one. Mm-hmm. So that would just be right out of the gate one of the benefits. I can also talk to kind of the downside of, of kind of coming from that role as well, if you'd like.
2: Yeah, definitely. yeah far away.
0: Um, so I was just having a conversation. We have a a client that manages about a billion dollars. And it was really interesting because he was talking about his team. They have kind of a proprietary process where they're building kind of a CFP standard plan. So income planning, investment planning, tax planning, healthcare, legacy estate planning are kind of the five worlds. And one of the things he said is his plan was so... Or his team was so focused on building a plan, a financial plan, like a document, right? Or, Or if you're a digital version of that, Sometimes they forgot like you're dealing with people here, right? Yeah. And one thing that was interesting, he was he shared a story from a a client uh, appointment. And the husband was talking about how much money he made. And he was very cerebral on just like the money in the bank account and how much they needed and how much was coming in every year. And he said, you know, the business is going so well. I was going to retire at 63, but I think, you know, I, I probably worked five more years. and be dumb to quit. Now we're making so much money. Yeah. And his wife sitting right next to him literally started crying. Wow. Because in her mind, it had nothing to do with the money. She was like, they just had their first grandkid that was, you know, probably an hour, two hour plane ride away. And in her mind at 63, that was the moment where she could go fly to another state and start spending more and more time with their newly born grandkid. Yeah. And I think that's the thing you always have to balance in financial planning. Yes, it's about the finances. Yes, it's about the math and the numbers. But as we like to say, money is just a tool. Mm -hmm. And that tool, based on the financial product that you use, creates creates some sort of result. But all of those results relate to life. And what what purpose does that serve in your client's life, whether they're a retiree in the, you know, distribution phase of their life, or maybe they're a 30, 40 year old that's in the accumulation phase of their life. And I think that's the biggest bridge across that gap from financial planning, mm-hmm. from I should say a pair planner to a financial advisor, because I, I joke a lot of times with my advisors, I feel like you need a degree in psychology and marriage counseling to be a really good
1: advisor.
0: And that never comes into play when you're taking the series seven or all of this,
2: the CFP tests and things like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that that's just high-level kind of how I view it. Yeah. I mean, uh, coming back to our mission, it's kind of if you take back uh, kind of 30, 40 years in the UK, um, there was probably 10 times as many financial advisors in the UK as there are today. Mm -hmm. And they were linked to the big insurance institutes. And they had amazing kind of 10 week residential courses where nine to five they were being videoed on their rapport building skills and their, Mm -hmm. their soft skills, as you might dub it. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of, when we say the skills, one of the main ones is communication. Um, and we find that in the UK, we went through the retail distribution review. I don't know whether you're aware of it, but basically removing commissions from most financial products and uh, positioning everything as a fee-based financial planning fee or a fee for advice um, made it quite difficult when the, the, the clients used to think it was free advice they were getting. Right. Um, and so the articulation of what we do, how we do it, and the rapport building before you start talking about the money is one of the main things that we're trying to focus on. So yeah, you pretty much nailed it and won there. Um, We see that gap widening in the UK, really. Um, And you mentioned a great story there. um, And you work with a lot of firms in the US. Um, Is there kind of... A path that a lot of your firms that you work with that have set up for their, their their guys and girls that are in non advisor roles um, to take them through to become the lead planners or the lead advisors in in the businesses at all. Yeah, for for sure, James. Um,
0: yeah. And I think I think what's interesting, like when you when you guys hit me up and you talked about this podcast, I was like, that's a very interesting concept because I think it's a. Gap in the US as well. And it's one that a lot of our clients are trying to solve. And the one that I, the path I've seen that most successfully works is Mm -hmm. the paraplanner, slash service advisor role that then transitions into, I would call it the lead advisor role or however you term it in the UK. Um, Because of exactly that, it's you get the opportunity to. I make this joke with our clients. Um, there's a great movie um called The Founder. It's on Netflix. I think it's streaming, um, but it's the story of Ray Kroc and McDonald's. Yeah, and huge. the the one of the big scenes out of that movie is he he goes, so Ray Kroc's this door-to-door sales guy, and McDonald's hits him up with like <laughs> the biggest order that he's ever, the McDonald's brothers, the biggest order he's ever had. And so he's like, what is going on? This is like the fifties and like road trips out to California. And there's a line around the door to get into McDonald's. And so what he realizes is the McDonald's brother created the first systematized, basically they invented fast food. Yeah. And he's like, this is going to be huge. You guys have to franchise this. And they're like, we already tried it, failed miserably. You can go check <laughs> it out. It's in Arizona, right? And so he, he actually, he road trips it to Arizona and he gets down there, the first McDonald's franchise. And it's not even McDonald's. Completely different menu. Um, it's, it's not even remotely run the same way. And it's funny because it's so similar to financial advisor offices. Mm-hmm. Is the systemization that's required to run great firms. You have to make the hamburger the same way. right? It's a Big Mac in the US, I'm going to guess is... Pretty similar to a Big Mac in the UK, and mm-hmm. what you often find on advisor teams is the financial plan that they get in this office is completely different than the financial plan they get literally a door over. Yeah, yeah. and and so the key with you know being a paraplanner is if your firm is it is is really systematized it to where you have here's our set plan here's the way it's built. Yes, every client's going to have a different risk profile but here's the key ingredients of how we make a make a successful financial plan that really translates very well to being a financial advisor mm-hmm. now it is those soft skills as you term them because you're not doing cooker if you're doing a great financial plan it's not cookie cutter right, right. it's just systematized so it's built the same way and then it becomes how do you ask great questions to get to the core emotional things that that client's trying to solve, and then how do you do the math behind that to actually accomplish those mm-hmm. goals? So, I don't even know if I answered your question, but that's kind of the way like I view it, going all the way through um,
1: as far as that transition. Yeah. So, I suppose just touching on that a little bit more, Brad. Have you got any sort of success stories, if you like, where some of the firms you've worked with, perhaps? They've had a power planner who has successfully transitioned from their role into the role of a, a lead advisor. Yeah, so Sean, on that front, the
0: biggest keys I would say, so so if you have a systemized process, the next thing is now how do you go from the back office where you're probably cranking out spreadsheets or whatever financial planning software you're using to actually a real life scenario of meeting with people and having a conversation like this? And the best uh, roadmap that I've seen. Is uh, we call it riding shotgun. I don't. Is that a term in the UK? Riding shotgun. No. So riding shotgun in the U.S. has nothing to do with the shotgun at all. It has to do with just being side by side with that advisor um, when they're in appointments. And so, literally sitting in on appointment after appointment after appointment to where you can you can um, almost by osmosis just absorb the conversation, because that's what's interesting. And that's what makes financial advising such a interesting and challenging field is every single couple or every single potential client is different. And so it's such a broad scope of knowledge that you have to be able to have. Mm. The only way you can truly absorb that, and this is what our top firms do, for that advisor, maybe they have been a paraplanner. So they've got the they've got the knowledge to build a great financial plan. They don't have the knowledge to navigate really interesting, different conversations. Mm -hmm. So it might be a three to six month time period where they're literally, their full day is appointment, 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 and they're not really saying anything. They're just sitting in on it. Mm -hmm. And so our best firms, that's kind of their first three to six month, uh, first three to six months of training Mm -hmm. are typically going to be a lot of just sitting in on appointments and listening. And then, One of our firms does something really cool. They do a um, uh, what do they call it? Kind of a debriefing. So, kind of a military term. After the meeting, they'll do a debrief, and the question to say the paraplanner would be, "What were your key takeaways from that conversation? Mm -hmm. What What did I say you didn't understand? Um, What were things I said why you understand why I I said them and and you know, what were some things maybe I missed because I'm sitting there doing all the talking that you were able to pick yeah. up from that conversation?
2: Yeah. yeah, oh, That's great. Um, we find in the UK that the, the, we call them the progressive firms um, that will be riding shotgun. Um, so within my firm, I always have a, a power planner with me in, in a meeting and I'll make sure that they've got a designated part to play. So they'll be presenting. A part of the, the the cash flow modeling, or presenting something about the situation we've noticed that could improve their scenario, or just ask them to generally have a chat with the clients. Just to, it's kind of that gently, gently, um, gradually ease them in. Like you say, it may be three three to six months before they even say anything, but then just gradually build their confidence um, in in a slow manner. Um. I'm, in in the U.S., what's kind of the the normal uh, time frame at which you see some of the leading firms uh, allow the the guys that were riding shotgun to then be in the driving seat?
0: Well, I think there's one thing I want to hit on, James, that you just said though, um, which is also another key. Just as you're building a firm, um, as the founder of the firm, as the lead advisor of the firm, you can't be all things to everyone. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the transitions that's hard a lot of times for advisors are say you're the lead advisor, you're kind of the sole advisor in the firm, and you're bringing on a paraplanner to kind of be the first associate advisor or co advisor role in your firm. There's, you know, for those clients that have only worked with you for a long time, there's a transfer of trust that has to happen that's not always easy to do. And I think you hit a key thing that's really important it's you have to bring them in to that appointment. And you have to build them up and put them on a pedestal and say, here is the expertise that this person has that it, that's even greater than I do. And therefore, yes. having them as a part of this is going to bring more value to you as the client. And exactly. as, if you do that properly, they'll talk to that other advisor all day long, every day. But if you don't, they're going to feel like, James just passed the buck. And who's this other <laughs> advisor that came on the team? Now I must be one of his lower-end clients, right? Yeah. So I think that's a really key thing
1: that you hit on right there. Yeah, I definitely...
0: And it adds, so, so, I think
1: to, it adds to the client's experience as well, knowing that you've got sort of two professionals looking after your money rather than just one guy. You might not even know that much about the firm he actually works for. You just know him as your financial advisor and magically things happen in the background. Um, yeah. Fully immersing them in the whole experience of what you do, but also what the team behind you does for the client, I think really adds a lot of value from the point of view of their experience as the client. Yeah, the one of our firms in
0: Florida, um, one of the things he did, that just to speak to that point, um, he had... I think he had six or seven advisors at the time. And one of the things that they did that was just one of their um, set Things on the calendar every Monday. They did a a case review meeting. So Mm -hmm. here are the five cases or the five appointments we're going to meet with, um, and he would have the whole team uh, really look over them just to make sure they didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. But one of the cool things that they started doing is they started using that in their marketing, where they said, "Hey, one of the things that's very different about our firm is every single case that we build has over 150 years of financial planning experience. Review it before it goes into place." So they just added up right. all of their experience because that was the truth. They had five, six, seven advisors reviewing it. And you think about that, if I'm your client, who doesn't want that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody can miss something regardless of how good you are. But if you've got multiple eyes looking over that plan, there's less of a chance that that's going to happen. So he yeah. actually built that into the front end of how he marketed the value they brought to their clients. Um, so yeah, I don't think I answered your question, James. So as far as the standard term... As far as how long it takes, it's different. I, yeah. I think three to six months is pretty standard of the kind of shadowing another advisor before yeah. you move to the advisor role. For, for our high-end planning firms, I mean, there's definitely a lot of firms where they hire you and the next thing you know, you're in appointments. But that's, that's going to be not the as holistic of, of planning as, as probably our mm. higher-end firms.
2: Uh, and before that point, how long would they have necessarily been a power planner? Or- mm in in that environment i suppose
0: I, I mean i think i think what's interesting it's kind of most of the firms we work with are high growth firms mm-hmm. and they're 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 marketing aggressively and they're their name they're they're trying to be the best known firm in their marketplace and mm-hmm. um so typically the paraplanner if if i was doing like an assembly line on the way to being a financial <laughs> advisor the Paraplanner is the kind of entry level, yeah, um where they're trained, and here's how we build our plans here and the software you use and the next stop is really that entry level advisor role, yeah where it could be a year, it could be two years, it depends on how fast they need an advisor, so it's like for a baseball analogy, it's like the on deck circle, the paraplanner's the on deck circle, and then how quickly can we get them into the advisor role and obviously that paraplanner is typically training their replacement. So it's like new person goes to paraplanner, paraplanner goes to call it entry-level advisor where... So say the more seasoned advisors... I don't know how y'all do it. I'll just use it in dollars over here. Say, <laughs> say, the, say the entry level advisor say his minimum is two hundred and fifty thousand of investable assets. Yeah. Where the more seasoned advisor, his new minimum might be two fifty to five hundred or five hundred to a million. So you're just stair stepping up the more seasoned advisors, and then the, the entry level are taking kind of the lowest rung as
1: far as the yeah. that firm takes on. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that's interesting that we're seeing evolving over here in the UK is the rise of power planning as a profession on its own. Um, A lot more people are kind of staying in roles or developing their skills as a power planner and enjoying very good careers as power planners the whole way through. Um, Is that something that you see happening in the U S at all? For sure. So I think what's interesting, um,
0: I'm just pulling random stories out. So I hope you guys should go with that. Um, we, ha- we had an advisor up in Chicago. And so we, as Advisors Excel has evolved, um, we try to listen to the pain points of our advisors and the firms we work with. And then if we don't have a solution, we try to find a solution or build a solution. And one of those frustrations was hiring good quality people for your firm, whether it's on the advisor side or whether it's on the administrative side. And this advisor... Um, he was really struggling. He had sent a girl in his firm down twice to one of our trainings where it was more the administrative side of new business. So, mm-hmm. so paperwork, applications, all of the minutiae that goes along with that. And she still could not fill out paperwork properly. And so he was getting very frustrated. Yeah. Well, we actually had a a psychological assessment called... We call it a preview assessment where it's like a Colby or you know some of the other more yeah, standardized tests. And so we have her take this test and her attention to detail and working with numbers was a one on a scale of 10 with one being the worst. Wow. And so he was trying to train her for this role that, I mean, she just didn't, that was not how her brain was wired. And so to your point, Sean, as far as do some people stay in the paraplanner role, I think it goes to the analytical, the analytical mindsets, maybe the people that are completely cool, not having a conversation, more the introvert, that just wants to chill in the back office, not be bothered, and they can just crank out spreadsheets all day long. If that's how they're wired, and if their compensation is set up to where they see a future in that role, absolutely. Because what works not very well at all, actually, I'm going to sell some of your audience against from going to the advisor side, is if you love that about your role, then the last thing you want to do is say, Oh, well, I want to go be an advisor now because an advisor, you're going to have to have a lot of conversations. You're, I mean, it's going to be more of an extroverted role. Um, it's actually way less about financial, true financial planning, and way more about relationship building and psychology and marriage counseling, right? That I said yeah. before. So, it, it is really important to know because I think sometimes that role is very sexy. It's like oh, I want to go be an advisor, but mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy human relationships and connection and the challenges that come along with that, it might not be the uh, the role that you're best suited for. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, no, definitely. We're we're looking to do kind of a podcast with a, a young lady that set up her own power planning firm, so an outsourced power planning firm, um, and she's got about eight to ten power planners underneath her, yeah. and they're they're aligned to um, firms across the UK um, to show that you can make a, a good living. I mean, she's flying in terms of earnings, yeah, um, and there's massive shortage of there's a massive shortage of uh, power planners in, in the u k as in power planners that want to move from the firm they are to another firm um, and they 're just commanding really high salaries at the moment in the u k wow. because of that um, kind of shortage of high quality power planners and then there's a lot of a lot of them are then taking that view that actually if someone 's going to pay that much money for me if I can get a group of us together and found like a I don't know, a uh, five partner power planner pool that we all work together and collaborate, they're, they're just wiping the floor in some respects because uh, of such it's, demand. So
0: would it be similar to... That's interesting. That definitely, at least as far as I know, doesn't exist in the US currently. Yeah. Um, but that sounds like almost like... So there's financial planning, then there's like tax planning or estate planning. So it almost sounds like you're creating a new... A new role in financial services where you've almost outsourced like
2: a CPA does tax planning mm-hmm. you've outsourced the para planning. yeah it's so interesting there's um, a lot of a lot of guys that are kind of setting up um, on their own or they're starting out with a, a few advisors it's a very low cost way to access um, the regulated report requirements that we have in the uk um, compared to taking them on as a full-time employee and all the the additional taxes that you have to pay as a business owner, I suppose. So it's quite interesting. Mm. Um, It'll be interesting to see if that evolves in the US. Um, But hopefully we can kickstart something like that in the US (laughs) with our podcast. Um, Yeah. yeah. So Brad, obviously, one of our
1: objectives here is to help the guys who are looking to transition into financial advisor positions to develop the skills that it takes to do that. From a role where it's very technical, knowledge focused, and you've got mm-hmm. time to kind of build plans uh, to being able to conduct live client meetings. So, what I want to know is are there any sort of great habits that some of the top guys that you deal with portray to be kind of at the top of their game as financial advisors? Yes. Um, so, I,
0: Here are a few things that I thought of um, that Mm -hmm. you could go on for days. Um, (laughs) So I think that when I look at our upper echelon clients and and not just the ones that like they hit a big number one year, but they hit big numbers every year and they continue to grow year in and year out. I think the biggest common theme is they're a student for life. Um, Lifelong learner. They've never got it all figured out. Um, They may, I mean, this is even, it's interesting. Our top client last year brought in over 300 million organically um, in one year, his firm did. And that puts him as one of the top in the US. And he was sitting in a training the other day from a advisor that was maybe did maybe a 20th of the assets that he does each year. Yeah. And he was sitting there taking notes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I find that theme it's common in business it doesn't it's not just financial services the The very best are going to continue to learn and grow and challenge themselves and there's like almost a constant paranoia of i've never got it figured out so I think that that's a common theme um, yeah. Another common theme is our very best and I find this as a almost a disease in financial services of we like to show people how smart we are. And I would assume that it's probably, and just being real here, it's probably going to be more of a challenge for a paraplaner because that's kind of the world you grew up in. It's very analytical and here's how stocks and bonds and all of these different financial tools work. So you almost have to untrain yourself purposefully in that because your clients don't care. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the lady, it, the analogy I make is like, if you go into a doctor and you have a sore elbow, like immediately we all freak out, we're like, "Do I have cancer right like what's <laughs> the worst case scenario and that's that's what your prospects and clients do I mean this is very uncomfortable to come in and just share one of our advisors' jokes he calls it getting financially naked, yeah. and that's like that's how uncomfortable it is because they're i mean they're sharing things with you that they probably haven't shared with their own kids sometimes yeah, yeah. and um so. To come in there, like if you went into a doctor's office and you said, my elbow hurts, and then they just start spout, spouting off Latin terms at you about human anatomy, you'd be like, who's this jerk? Right? Yeah. Like, how, What an arrogant guy that just thinks like... But that's what we do in financial services all the time. We, we use all these acronyms and we're talking about just all of these you know, ticker symbols. And, and so the very best, they simplify the complex. Yeah. They ask powerful questions. And they find out that what are the true emotions? So yeah, you want to have a million dollars in your nest egg, but what's that really mean? What are we trying to accomplish here? Like, is it a bucket list trip that you want to take to come hang with Brad in the U.S.? I mean, what you know, what are the what are the things that you want to do? What are those hobbies that you didn't have time for during your working years you want to rediscover? Um, Time with the grandkids. You know, if you're talking with retirees, it's not about a million dollars. It's about how. Do I have a plan where I have confidence year in and year out to spend and know I can take that annual trip across the country to go hang with my grandkids? Yeah. And our very best advisors ask great questions to get to the core emotions of why people need a financial plan, not the actual plan itself. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is they listen. So probably a great advisor talks 10 to 15% in a first appointment. They ask a great question and then they sit there and they listen and they take great notes. That's high level. Um, we
2: could keep going, I'm sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you've given us loads of loads of valuable insights so far. So thank you so much for that. Um, so if you were uh, a non-advisor, kind of either looking to go to that associate financial planner role or or you're currently in that transition, what advice would you give to those individuals?
0: Um, what one of my mentors gave me, um, go find a coach. So any, anytime there's a something in life you want to accomplish, you can do it the hard way, which is figure it out yourself, trial and error. <laughs> or you can go find somebody that's made that transition or listen to a podcast maybe about it. Right, <laughs> And uh, just go... Like go surround yourself. Uh, that's, that's a rule I have in my life. Um, you're the average of the five people you associate most with. So I try to associate people that I aspire to be like. So if there's a role that you want to take, I guarantee if it's not your firm, it's some other firm locally, mm-hmm. ask them out for lunch. The worst thing they can say is no. And guess what? More of them are going to say yes than no, because it's flattering if you approach it the right way.
2: Yeah. No, a great answer. Great answer.
1: So Brad, look, oh, you've, given us some such valuable content and insights there. Um, Thank you so much for joining us on the Advisor Gap podcast. It's a real pleasure to to have you on the show. Um, I think with that, it's sort of time to move on to our quickfire questions. So if you were to look back at our profession in terms of financial advice in 10 years' time, what would you have liked to have happened in that ten years, for our profession to have grown and expanded into something new. So, I'm going to give
0: you the the U.S. perspective. I'm not sure if this is as big of a deal in the UK. So, if mm-hmm. it isn't, I apologize. I think one of the things that I see that's really interesting um, is how the industry, the financial services industry, has evolved in the U.S. You had kind of the insurance background that was kind of more of a sales driven background. Mm -hmm. And then you had the asset management background, which is still a sales based background, but it's kind of more framed in the way of a fiduciary and, you know, I win if you win and we're on the same team. Um, What I see happen very often in the US is based on, I'll call it a bias, a bias from the financial advisor's perspective based on the world they grew up in. You know, If you grew up in the insurance world, you've got guys saying, well, as a retiree, the market's bad. You shouldn't have all this risk in your portfolio as you get closer to retirement. And if you grew up on the asset management side of the world, you've got the, well, these insurance products are commissionable, that's bad. And, and in reality, the truth is it all loses perspective of what really matters and that's the client. So so these people are bringing these biases in, and it's limiting the solutions they provide to their clients. Where in reality, if you had a true fiduciary standard across the entire industry, because you've got guys managing a billion dollars of assets that don't do any insurance planning. And that's cool if you don't believe your clients are ever going to die. Yes. Right? <laughs> so, so I just I don't get it. And these personal biases, they really they hurt the clients because they're not building a holistic financial plan that serves them on all levels. So my wish 10 years from now would be that all of these walls are broken down between the insurance side, the asset management side, to where you can have a true standard where you put the client first and you have as many tools as possible in your financial toolbox. And then you're just picking out best in class to most efficiently solve the problem minus the personal biases, whether it's how you get paid or what world you grew up in
2: or anything else. That would be my personal wish. Okay. That's a great one. Um, I think there's a bit of a battle still on that over over the other side of the pond here. Um, so you mentioned quite a lot about the kind of training that you guys offer at Advisor Excel. But are there any um, courses that you'd recommend guys and girls going through the Advisor Gap go on, um, whether they're in the US or they're the global training at all?
0: Yeah, the um, one that I think is fairly standard. um, I think it's big in the UK as well. Strategic Coach Dan Sullivan. Yeah, Um, I had the uh, the privilege to have him on my podcast um, a year or two back, and I joke he's like if Jesus were living, he's like (laughs) the he's like the Jesus of business of entrepreneurship. (laughs) So, um, so I highly recommend Strategic Coach. A lot of our top clients have have been longtime Strategic Coach clients as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like less formal training, if you just want to nerd out on finance stuff, Michael Kitsis, his stuff is great. I know his podcast is huge. I'm sure it's huge over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a podcast course coming up for financial advisors that want to learn how to podcast. It's not live yet, but I'll throw, I'll throw a little selfish plug in for that as well. We should have waited a few months. Yeah. <laughs> we could have used a few Hey, takes. I think you guys are doing... I think you're doing well. You're, you're much more polished than I was on my early episodes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, it's the, maybe it's the accent though. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so Brad, what sort of books... And you've, you've mentioned podcasts there. Um, any kind of books you would recommend... Yeah. Um, I, I would. Any material, really? Uh, books, podcasts, anything you've read recently?
0: I think it goes back to the advice of our most successful clients. They're lifelong learners. So, however you absorb good content books, podcasts, audiobooks, um, trainings, live trainings. Um, so, if, if I went to a Book actually more of a philosophy. Yeah. Um, a guy named Darren Hardy, uh, former publisher of Success Magazine, and he wrote um, he wrote a book called The Compound Effect. He's I've had the privilege of being a couple of his private masterminds. Um, one thing that I took from him a long time ago, uh, probably going on ten years, is if you would turn your time in the car or transportation, however you get to and from your place of work and home into a study session that in America, at least I think the average commute time is like 40 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you could literally have a PhD in like, I think you said, a year and a half if you just consume content. So mm-hmm. one of the things I've really tried to do, not that I don't like rock out to some music every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I really do try to on the to and from work. That's time where i mean they're listening to a podcast, an audio book where I turn that into just, that's how you increase your knowledge base. And yeah, I mean, it's just easy to see the people that do that. You can have interesting conversations with them about just about anything, right? And so it's just, even from a a perspective of bringing on clients, it just takes you to a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, But if I had to pick books, one that made a massive impact on me early on was How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I took out of there that's really good as a financial advisor, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Yeah. And as a paraplanner, transitioning to an advisor, you can win the argument and still lose the argument. You can be, 100%, you can be 110% right. But if in their mind, they're not open to the, whatever you're positioning, it doesn't matter. They're not going to become your client. And yeah. that's mm-hmm. served me really well in my business as well. Um, one that's just outside of our industry, but really made me think differently, a book called Sapiens. Um, I'm going to completely mispronounce his name. Yaval something, Noah Harari, I think, is yeah, the author. That's are you pretty familiar. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> a pretty good effort. Yeah, yeah pretty decent. Okay. Yeah. Um, what it made me realize is how humans are wired. Um, it talks a lot about the evolution, uh, evolution of humanity through the history of time. It's a super interesting book on what is typically pretty dry content, and he somehow pulls off to make it super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes through just the psychology of why humans make the decisions they do, yeah. um, from an evolutionary standpoint,
1: and and I found that really really interesting. Yeah, no, that is a brilliant book. One of the best books I've read probably. Um, yeah. Really sort of makes you understand the human race more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's
0: why we're so messed up sometimes, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, uh, well, if you want to nerd out a bit on that one, there's a. This one just completely blew my mind. I had to reread this section, but it was um the section that he he's kind of sharing the analogy of there's this it's the African savanna there's this like baboon up in a tree that hasn't eaten for a week. He looks across to this other tree there's a banana in it, mm-hmm. and then he looks off to his left and there's a lion like hiding out like a hundred yards away, and he basically compared it to all living organisms or just more complex algorithms because the <laughs> The 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 math that's going on inside the monkey's head is, okay, I haven't eaten for a week. So if I don't eat, I'm gonna starve. So I need that banana, but wow, there's a chance that lion's gonna eat me before I get there. And it it was like, it blew my mind on multiple levels. I'm like, wow, we're really that simple of creatures, but at the same time, like we're that complex all at the yeah, same time.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. No, yeah definitely, that's- definitely a recommendation that I give um to a few people as well. Um <laughs> So, it'd be rude of us not to ask you about elite advisors um, or advisors Excel. So, you've got your elite advisor blueprint, um, and you've obviously advisors Excel has loads of different uh, kind of resources. You support loads of businesses in the US. Um, so, we'd like to kind of give us kind of a high level understanding of what advisors Excel does for clients and some of your courses um, to hopefully try and get you across the pond, maybe.
0: Well, you know what? I will be taking a trip to Prague next year. Yeah. And my wife and I were discussing where else do we want to hit while we, you know, are exploring Europe and the UK is at the top of the list, so we might just have to make it happen. We we'll do, do version 2.0 of this live from, from some pub somewhere that you guys recommend or something. Uh, yeah. We're definitely up for that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Everybody in the UK
2: is always up for pubs, I find. So oh, It's dry January at the moment. <laughs> so I'm 25 days without a beer. And for us Brits, that's quite a challenge.
0: You're almost there. You can see. I, I have caved at this point. By the way. <laughs> How, so was it what a good two to three days into January that you made it, Sean?
1: Or no, I, I made, I made uh, it three weeks. Um, but it, it, I seem to have been pretty flat out since the turn of the year. So there's no rest. And um, yeah, eventually I, I caved. <laughs> it, it goes back to those
0: five people you surround yourself with.
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so Advisors Excel and the podcast. Um, Advisors Excel has been really cool um, for me personally. Mm-hmm. So I was the 12th employee back in the day. So that was 2007. And I came from an IT background, actually.
2: Um, okay.
0: And just had always been interested in finance. And, and this company has allowed me to... Like going back to a lot of the advice I've given here, it's, it's, it expanded my horizons when you're doing mastermind groups with guys like Tony Robbins and Darren Hardy, and just like some of the, the best thought leaders out there. Wow. Um, it's just like, I grew up, I was 27 when, when mm-hmm. that happened. And so I kind of grew up in a very the kind of like personal development centered company. And, um, so it literally changed my life. Um, and it's made me a better dad. It's made me a better husband. Um, at least I hope my wife can think that that's the case. Um, but I, I just... I think I, I can't say enough great things about the company that I work with. Um, and what's been really cool is how we've impacted advisors. Um, we've got numerous stories over and over of advisors that were bringing 3 to 5 million of assets in per year. And I mean, actually, I just got off the phone today one of our clients on the East Coast, when we met him 2012, him and his two other partners were bringing in $8 million a year. Mm-hmm. The last year, they brought in over $160 million. So 2012 wow. to 2018, that sort of growth. And it's just astronomical. And like if you sit back and actually reflect on it, it's not just about the advisors, how we're changing their practices and their lives. Think about all the retirees that now have a better financial plan in place for their retirement. I mean, it's just like this compound effect on down yeah, yeah. so yeah. i really think that we are in the most noble profession um next to health you know like to me health is first because it doesn't matter how much money you have if you don't have your health but we're a close second to where you know you sit down with clients you can actually give them confidence and and i mean you can put these plans in place that are generational plans where it's not just for them it's their kids it's their grandkids and what a noble profession to be involved in, and it's just—I'm—I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think we would echo that 100,
0: definitely. And, and and the podcast was just an extension of that. It was—I like to have interesting. I'm curious by nature, um, as I'm guessing you two are too, or you wouldn't have a podcast. Yeah. And it just allowed me, like, if I if nobody listened to my podcast, um, I would still do it because. Yeah. It's conversations like this, like I've learned from you guys during this conversation on on how things differ on the u k side, and like yeah. the the paraplanner like outsourcing that that's that's new to me, um, yeah. but it just allows you to facilitate really interesting conversations with people you respect and can learn from, and so that's what the podcast has been for me, and uh, the side benefit has been people that are wired like me um, that find those interesting. Conversations they have now reached out and applied through the website to see if they can work with us, and so it's a win-win on all levels. So I just I want to give you guys a compliment to having the guts to hop on a mic and have random conversations with people you've you know we've never really met before. And I promise you, stick with it. It takes a while. It's kind of this organic thing that has to pick up steam. But yeah, I promise it will serve you guys just as well uh, because this has been a really fun conversation.
2: Yeah. thank you so much thank you, for
0: uh, do you have any advice for us just before we go uh, don't stop podcasting um don't it's work as you guys know um, it's work it's seems seems like a lot of fun and they're like oh my gosh now we've got to edit this and we've got to put an intro on this and all of the work that goes on behind the scenes um try try your best to really systematize kind of Tim Ferriss 4 hour work week systematize all the minutia behind the scenes on this mm. but keep having interesting conversations with with people that can benefit your audience and it'll it'll come back 10x so just stick with it it's not easy it's work but you're you're obviously well thought out guys i mean i was telling you before we went live here sure. the i've i've done you know a number of podcasts i've been a guest on a few as well and The homework you did to prep for this conversation made sure we had a great conversation. So I
1: I appreciate it. Well, Brad, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your time and sharing some great insights and stories there. Um, I think that's a wrap, guys. So Brad, thank you ever so much. Brilliant. Thank you.
0: Likewise, guys. Sean, James, it was a pleasure. I will absolutely take you up on uh, meeting up in person when I make it to the UK.
2: Yeah, we look forward to it. Maybe even get an audience, an audience with Brad. I'm I'm game. As long as I
0: can, as long as I can have a pint while I do it,
2: I'm in. Brilliant. Yeah, that's definitely allowed in the UK. Definitely. All right. <laughs>
1: cool. Bye. Thanks, right. guys.
2: Cheers guys. Cheers. Another great interview there with Brad Johnson. On the back of um, the last episode Success, Sean, I thought we would um, do something similar and we would do another John Barnes-style wrap-up um, for you guys on Twitter, where you'll know what that's all about. Um, but for those that don't want to listen to Sean and I ramble on again, this is your point of exit. And we uh, look forward to you guys listening to the next episode. Um, as I said at the, the outset, we've got some great... Guests lined up, um, and maybe a bonus episode here or here or there. So looking forward to release those. But Sean and I have highlighted a few key takeaways from our chat with Brad Johnson. Uh, it was fascinating to hear that there were some similarities with the advisor gap in, in the US. And there are also some differences, as we know their kind of advisor land in the US is slightly different, but it's nice to know that the the advisor gap is there and that we'll hopefully be able to help some guys cross the pond. Um, And that the interesting fact that I I took from my chat with Brad is that there may not be outsourced power planners in the US. So hopefully some of the the power planners out there will be able to give us some more info on that. But um, that's something to touch on. Huge, huge business opportunity. Well, yeah, for you guys that want to... Jump across the pond. That's a massive opportunity. So, so hopefully we've, we've helped you out there, guys. Um, but the, the first kind of key highlight that, uh, I, I, I took away or we took away, Sean, was that there's kind of, you build great foundations as a, a power planner building, uh, Tens or hundreds of financial plans. Um, and that often that some of the lead advisors haven't had that experience. So did you want to touch upon that, that key takeaway there?
1: Yeah, again. So, you know, going back, um, in the past the route to being an advisor was often through a a sales position Mm -hmm. um, where you've gone through a training program, learning sales, you're then straight out on the road doing sales um, and you've never really had a back office function um, up until that point where you're out on the road. Um, And I think that, you know, it's, it's certainly, you know, although you've lost some of that, um, you know, these days we've lost some of that sales training um, initially, and that is part of the advisor gap. um, What, people now have as a massive advantage when they're making that transition is they've had potentially years of doing plans mm-hmm. in the background, you know, actually building plans for clients if, if that's, um, you know, the sort of firm that they've been working for, where they actually do build financial plans yeah. as a power planner, as opposed to suitability letters, yeah. which I know will be the case in a lot of um, other firms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've you've got a massive advantage there because you're going in, um, having all that experience of how a plan is structured, um, how to explain to somebody how they're going to get from a point A where they are now yeah. to point B, which is where they want to be in the future and and tying all of that together in a way that makes sense and is meaningful for them and their family. You know, you've had years of experience doing that. Um, you just haven't had the experience of doing it live in a in a client meeting situation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that I took from it is, yes, you've got all of that experience, but the, the gap is very much there in that you've then got to take that experience and put it into a, a live situation with a client To, uh, to get them to realize what it all means and why it's important. Um, did you want to, do you want to add
2: some more to that? Yes, definitely. Um, having the skills to use the software in front of the client will be integral to your success of, of marriage, the marriage of their life and their plan. Um, Brad raised it as the biggest gap that he notices in the US is that. We've got some great technicians and they can talk about the software, but it's back to our, one of our key takeaways from all of the, the, the episodes that we've done is simplifying the complex. So some of the software is quite complex. If you go deep into it, um, it's great to know that you know that stuff as Amir Oshalima might say. Um, <laughs> and you have that backup. Um, if you ever get challenged by a client, but it's, can I take my skills? With the software and building plans, and can I articulate it to a client in a, a plain English, easy to understand way? Um, and that will only come with practice. Um, and, uh, this kind of brings us on to the marriage of life and plans is if, if you cannot bring those two things together, that the relationship may struggle. You may struggle to pitch your services to a client because they just won't understand it and they'll just think, oh, it's something else that I can I can discount and not have to buy. It should be integral to the service. It shouldn't be an add-on at all. Um yeah, it has to it has to
1: mean something to them ultimately. And yeah. it's it's your part of your job is to you know get them to understand what it means and why it's important.
2: Yeah, very much so. And on the point that Brad raised about uh yes, the math uh is important, getting the numbers right, but you've got to have that purpose, as you say. And he even raised the point of you may need a degree in psychology and knowledge counseling along the way. Um so it is what the advisor gap we're trying to articulate to you guys is the communication of those foundations that you've built will be the the success or downfall, I suppose. Um Another key point, um, highlighted from Brad's chat is, are you the next ray crop of financial planning or, as we might be more familiar over here, the Henry Ford of financial planning, um, systemi- systemization of the process. Um, did you want to talk through th- that takeaway, Sean?
1: Um, yeah, I think this is probably more appropriate to the actual uh Business mm-hmm. that you're working in, um, or if you are a business owner, um, you know a way that you can really uh, make a big difference to to how you work is is having those systematized processes so to to know that everybody who's working in your business um, knows exactly what is going to happen from point A, the moment the client rings you up, sends you an email, walks through the door, to to point B, where you've created that ongoing client relationship. You have to have a process that's going to get you from A to B to C all the way to Z really, because it is, is that sometimes that long a process yeah. in a 20 year relationship potentially. So, um, yeah, you've, you've got to know from the outset what you're doing. And again, as we touched on in the last episode, you've got to then be able to, without missing a beat, explain to your client what the process is as well. Yeah. So that they're familiar with it from the get go. Um, because again, as we mentioned before, it, it just makes them so much more comfortable. You look like you know what you're doing, which I'm sure you do, because you've got that process to fall back on, um, which means if you've got a track to run on, you've got some guidelines, you're less likely to cock it up,
2: basically. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of having that skeleton um, of a process. Remember that all clients are different and that at each stage in your process, you may have to do different things. But as as a a practice, as Sean raises, um, that every client gets something that looks similar, accepting the fact that every client will be different. Um, and that's what I would add to that. Um, something that we have raised or we have raised and other guests have raised about how to fast track your journey to being a great planner, um, was riding shotgun. Um, so, Brad uh, raised, this is one of the, the key learnings that some of the great firms in the US are are doing is they they put their trainee planners or trainee advisors it, in kind of a second seat, just sitting, listening, and observing the client meetings for three to six months. And most of the guests that we've had on have said that is one of the fastest ways in which you'll advance your skills is by... Being present in those meetings, um, and we've touched on this many a time. Um, did you have any kind of further comments on that to add?
1: I think it's key to the development of somebody who's transitioning from a, a support role to being the advisor. Is you have to go through that period where you're shadowing an experienced advisor. Going out to meetings or, you know, welcoming clients into your office, just fundamental things like that are really going to, um, harness your development. Um, and it it also is something else. It's not just about, you know, learning how to conduct the meeting or certain things to say or certain questions to ask a client. Um, it's just the actual physical thing that you're doing of, you know, welcoming a client into the room or actually going out to somebody's house to see them, you know, things like that. It's just silly things that make a difference. It's mm-hmm. getting used to preparing for a meeting, um, having that in your diary. Um, and just through osmosis, I think it becomes second nature. Then once you do step out on your own, yeah. um, you you know, you're confident you know what you're doing. Yeah,
2: very much so, very much so. And on that point, if you are the lead advisor or you're the business owner, bring in those trainees or the, the newer guys Um, Brad raised the point of make sure you build them up, give them the confidence to, to be in that room and take part. Um, remember that they're in a vulnerable position. So if, if you are either training or coaching, uh, guys through to become the leaders of your business, that confidence needs to come from you as well as from them. Um, but playing to your strengths is something that w- we have mentioned before. And there are a few podcasts coming up that um, we're going to discuss this in more detail. But Brad raised the point that play to your strengths, be the best version of you. Um, and, and if you if you think being a relationship guy is the right thing for you or a relationship girl is the right thing for you, um, go for it. But if you are questioning whether you want to be uh, kind of on the phones, talking to clients in front of them, talking through things, getting to know them and their life and their family, you find that exciting, great. If not, then you need to have that that, that check. Is this the Mm -hmm. right thing for me? Um, Did you have anything to add on that at all? Yeah, no,
1: you've hit the nail on the head there, really. So, yeah, just... um, Figure out what you are the best in the world at. Yeah. And just, just
2: do that all the time. Yeah. Very much so. And, and to wrap up our chat, I thought we'd just list off some of the great habits that Brad has noticed with the leaders in the US and that the guys that advisors excel, um, are coaching. Um, you'll probably hear this from, any successful or great financial planner around the world is that they are students for life. Um, we've raised, uh, this before. Um, but did you want to add anything on the students for life uh, habit, Sean?
1: Uh, I guess so. Yeah. So one of the things that you'll have when you first come into this business is um, everything will be focused around doing your CII exams or, you know, if you're doing the CFP route, it will all be focused on industry exams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've can, I can tell you that that's only the start um, of what you need to be focusing on in terms of your development. Yeah. Um, you know, wider reading is I think fundamental for any financial advisor. You just, you, you have to do it. Um, If you're, if you're focusing on getting to chartered as quickly as possible, but you're not doing any reading outside of the, uh, the syllabus, um, then I think you're still going to be behind some of those guys that do do that and and haven't got the, you know, chartered financial planner badge. So um, yeah, I think, you know, audible was brilliant. Um, I, I absolutely adore it. I, You know, there's no chance I'd be where I am now if I didn't listen to Audible all the time. Mm -hmm. Podcasts, again, listening, audio is great because you you can multitask while you're listening to a book or a podcast. You know, I I play golf and, you know, I can often just go up to the golf course on my own, hit a few balls, but I'm listening to uh, an audio book that's going to, you know, Give me some information or teach me something that I'm going to then put into practice or just, you know, take one thing away from it. It it just makes a lot of difference to then what you do going forward. Yeah. Um, And also just reading, you know, I think we are relentless readers by nature because we just we're just curious as people. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I've probably banged on a, a bit too much about that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you know, don't think that the the exam syllabus is the be all and end all. You have to
2: widen your reading. Yeah. And there's loads and loads of reading around communication skills, psychology, body language. All of those things will enhance your chances and, and help you um, on your journey. Yeah. Um, We've mentioned simplifying the complex. Um, I think I'll I'll rush through that one and just say look at anything that Cole Richards does for simplifying the complex, and then you'll get the gist of what habits you need to create around that. Yep. Um asking powerful questions that drive you to find what the client's real emotions are and why they want to do things. Um I think that says it all. If you can't ask great questions, you will struggle to find what it really is that the client wants. Um, do you have anything to add on that one?
1: Uh, no, I think we've we've covered that um, yeah. in some good detail in the previous episode. So yeah.
2: Yeah, great. And the best advisors that Brad has come across are great listeners. Um, you're born with two ears and one mouth. Should Mm -hmm. be in that order. (laughs) And sometimes I'm I'm complacent of that. I would say, Um, and we all have our own problems and we all have our own challenges. But that's great. And Sean, yeah, I
1: mean, you know, great communicators will will say, you know, in two words what other people might take, you know, twenty words to to say. You know, you've got to get your point across um, and don't waffle on. Mm-hmm. like like we do a lot of the time on this podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, we enjoy a good waffle. Uh, and to wrap up, the final point that Brad raised was get a coach.
1: Another great episode, guys. Uh, take care and see you next time. Take care, guys. Cheers. Thanks for
0: checking out the latest show. On to this week's featured reviews. The week's first review comes to us from James Canole CFP, who says, one of a few must-listen podcasts, five stars. The insight that Brad pulls out of his guests is incredible. He interviews amazing guests and each one has something valuable for me and my practice. This podcast has been incredibly valuable in helping me to grow my business. And I'm grateful to Brad for all the value and insights I've gained from this podcast. Hey, James, thanks for listening in and the kind words. Love to hear that the show is helping you grow your business. And honestly, if you get a second, please swing by the website, drop me a note. And let me know an idea or two that you've picked up from the show that you put into action. And uh, stay after it. And thanks for the review. The next review comes to us from user hope for everyone who says, Great ideas and fun to listen. 5 stars. I just came across this podcast series and find it invaluable. As a financial advisor for 20 years, I can tell you this is one of the best out there. I've listened to and seen in person leaders in the field. And this is so helpful to listen when I have some time. Thank you, Brad. Thanks, Hope for Everyone. Love the name and appreciate the review. And sounds like you've been at the financial advisor business for a while. So it's awesome to hear that someone with all your experience is getting some great takeaways for your practice. More episodes coming your way. Next up is user Ricky Rubio, who says, Finally found it. 5 stars. Best financial advisor podcast I've found. I wish this information was available to me earlier in my 12-year financial services career. Real, actionable information. Definitely restructuring my business and brand with the gems I've picked up. Thanks for listening in, Ricky. And for the 5-star review. Sounds like we both actually started out in the business about the same time. And although I do wish I would have started my podcasting career just a bit earlier, I'm pretty sure my episodes from 12 years ago would have been very iffy at best. However, some advice for those of you out there looking to dive into podcasting I do love the advice Michael Hyatt gave me when I was first starting out. He said, fail while no one is watching. And that advice has served me really well. And for those out there trying to figure out when is the best time to start a new venture or platform, the answer is now. So fail while no one's looking. Get out there. And the last featured review for the week comes to us from McComas Nose, who says, So relevant. 5 stars. Love the last episode, Brad. James's book, Atomic Habits, is very relevant to today's financial advisors, especially after a historically long bull run. And I can't wait to read it. Tons of little golden nuggets of wisdom scattered throughout this latest podcast. Keep up the excellent work, Brad. Looking forward to the next podcast as they always get me in the right mindset, Darren. So Darren, thanks for the review. I love the conversation with James Clear as well. He shared a number of mental models that financial advisors can use to simplify the complex for their clients, which, from my experience, that's what the very best in our business do. And if you happen to be listening in out there and haven't had a chance to give his episode a listen yet, I can promise you're missing out as it is consistently ranking as one of our most downloaded episodes. Also, his book, Atomic Habits, if you haven't grabbed a copy yet, amazing as well. Okay, as we wrap the show, thanks again for those of you who have taken the time to write a quick review. I personally love reading each and every one, and for those of you that have interest in diving deeper or figuring out how you may be able to have our team help you implement many of the ideas shared on the show. My day job happens to be consulting financial advisors from all over the US on how to grow their business and design a practice that serves them. So yes, it's possible to actually grow your business and work less. It's a model we've replicated over and over in markets all over the country. So if you'd like to apply to see if it makes sense for us to have a one-on-one conversation or how to overcome what may be getting in your way, you can do that at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash apply. takes about 5 minutes to fill out the application so we can understand what your business looks like, what challenges you may be facing, and how myself and my team may be able to help. Taking the first step is as simple as applying at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash apply. So that's all for this week. Thanks again for listening in and I will catch you on the next show.